Blog Talk Radio. Slow down, touch your life. Don't you know there's friends to be found? Lift your eyes and see the world. Welcome. Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. I'm your host, Lawrence Knorr, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press. Sunbury Press publishes print, audio, and electronic books under 15 different imprints in a variety of categories sold worldwide wherever books are sold. This episode is about a World War II survivor, Linda Schwab, who has written a memoir entitled Displaced with co-author Dr. Todd Mealy. Displaced is Linda Schwab's Holocaust memoir, a retelling of her experience surviving 18 months in a man-made cave, another year as an exile in Poland and Germany, and three years as a refugee in a displaced persons camp. Just six years old, when a band of Nazi soldiers arrived in her tiny shtetl in Miatl, Poland, Linda observed atrocities no child should ever witness. With her parents and two brothers during the summer of 1942, Linda was forcibly relocated into a ghetto where most of the Jewish men were led to the nearby forest and killed in a pogrom. After the massacre, Linda escaped with her family into the Ponar Forest, but only after evading Polish nationals and Nazis that patrolled Poland's countryside. Deep in the woods, Linda's family lived in a cave. They survived brutal winters, eluded partisan fighters that might force Linda's father to leave the family, and remained out of sight from Nazis and Polish police, who at one point came only feet from their dugout. This memoir was written with historian Todd M. Mealy, who received his Ph.D. in American Studies from Penn State, Go Lions, and is the founder of Equity Institute for Race-Conscious Pedagogy. Todd is a 20-year educator in the public schools and the adjunct professor of history at Dickinson College. Linda and Todd, welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show. Thank you. Oh, hi, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, hi, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> I know, long intro, right? So, uh, Linda, we are so blessed to have you here. Uh, it just seems like there were so many potential obstacles, incidents, things that could have uh, happened back in those days that would have prevented you from being with us today here in the United States in 2021. So I'm very grateful that uh, you are able to join us that, and that you've told your story. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about why you've put it into book form at this point. Thank you, uh, Lawrence. Uh, my name is Linda Schwab and I am a Holocaust survivor and for the longest time, I did not speak of my past. Uh, I think I, in 1992, maybe a little before that, I had to record the, the story of my life for the archives of, uh, of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I, I had to do that. And that kind of started me. Um, I told my mother when I arrived to the United States that this was a bad dream, and Mom, I'm never going to talk about it again. 
I want to be an American teenager. I, I, I want to be like everybody else, and I don't want to think about my past anymore. And I didn't do it for the longest time until it was uh, – my family knew that I was a survivor, and I spoke in Yiddish to my mother every day, and they heard me speak, but I never went into what I went through. I, I really had chills, and, and every time I would think about it, I, I just didn't, I didn't want my children to know what I went through. I wanted them to grow up as uh, normal teenagers, normal, normal children. And, and, and I did do that, uh, but the time came to talk about it, and, and I did. And I, 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 every time that there was someone else to speak about the Holocaust, I, I let them. But I always felt guilty for not speaking, even though I had nightmares when, when, when I would think that I have to talk about it. Uh, in fact, even... Last night, I was thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell you? And, and, and I didn't sleep most of the night, which every time I have to speak about it, about my past, I do have, I don't sleep. I, I just, it just goes through my head. However, uh, I, I did things in, in, in the background. I would help um work on on uh, the Holocaust monument that we had. I helped uh, to create a an, an essay contest, which is going on at, to this day, uh, and I give out money to junior high school and high school students. Uh, I, I created a, a library at Penn State. I did everything I could do without my having to speak about it. But when the time came, I, I, I had to. And the time I spoke at, at um, Penn State, uh, and the professor there, Professor Perticelli, uh called me the next day, and he said, Mrs. Schwab, I had uh, uh, spoken about you in my class, and I have a doctoral student who uh, asked about you, and I gave him your uh, email. Uh, I hope that that was okay. And <laughs> yeah. that was Mealy. And I felt that that was the time that I, I had to give my, my, my story to him, and it was the right time to record it. And he would call me once a week, for almost two years, I think, uh, every Monday night at 6 o'clock, and we spoke, and he recorded, and he, we spoke, and he recorded, and, and the book became, it was just published, I think, just before the COVID, uh, because my friends here uh, gave me a signing party, and everybody came, and everybody uh, um bought the book and and that's when I, I got a lot of feedback on it. Um but that's yeah. how the book 
became uh, a, a book. You're, a you were very right about the uh, how fortunate we were with the release of it because it it was right right before the, the pandemic, which we got lucky in that regard. I just want to ask Todd a quick question. Uh, so you were working on your PhD at Penn State. This obviously wasn't your dissertation, right? This was a, a side project for you, but what a what a great project. Maybe you could just give a, a minute or two about your thoughts. Oh, uh, sure. Um, you know, Linda and, and uh, Lawrence, again, thanks for, for having me here. Uh, just here to support Linda and her speaking about her experience. But it is a quite interesting story. This was not my doctoral dissertation. This was a side project during my doctoral studies. Um, she's right. We did meet. Uh, once a week for uh, about two years. I, my wife and I had just had our first uh, child, a son, and oftentimes cried at the door. Linda, you remember that? When, uh, I, I <laughs> do. She's I telling do me her remember. story. <laughs> right. and, uh, uh, but it was uh, Dr. Anthony Buccitelli that uh, connected me with uh, Linda. Um, I had done some writing in the past. And uh, so he just reached out to me, and the agreement was, Todd, this can't interfere with uh, what you're doing here. This can't interfere with uh, the uh, – uh, there are several steps in the doctoral program there. It, it, it was at the Harrisburg campus. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, so that's how we got connected. Uh, Linda mentioned about the, the, the book came out right before the, uh, the quarantining for COVID. And uh, we had an engagement or two that was canceled because of that. But, uh, but nonetheless, it, uh, things have worked out well. That's great that you two were able to look up, and we're, it's a privilege for us at Sunbury Press to have published it. We've, we've published several um, Holocaust memoirs now in the last five years, and every single one of them to me is gut-wrenching and a reminder that we do not want to repeat this history ever, ever again anywhere in the world. Linda, I'd like to take you back to 1942, if I could, uh, sure. maybe right, right around that time. When I you know, read in the opening about you living in a cave. I I can't imagine, uh, you know, you're, you're still out in the elements. It, it's not like you're, <laughs> you're still, it can be, it can get cold, I'm sure. And what did you all eat? How did you get food? Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about living in the cave. I, I find that fascinating. It, it Fascinating is probably not the word to describe it. I find it unbelievable. I find it uh, so unbelievable that I I felt that when I was writing the the book and and, and doing things about the Holocaust, I felt that no one would believe how I survived. And, and, And I felt that God saved me so I could tell the story of how I survived. Uh, I, I often uh, say that we, we were little kids. I had an older brother and I had a younger brother. And my father had to hide not only from the, the, uh, the Germans that invaded us, but also from the partisans because they wanted him to go fight. And then who would take care of us children and my mother? And he would, he, he, he dug a, a Zimlanke, I, I, I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a cave-like condition, uh, maybe um, 
not very big, the size of, of, of two ping pong tables, or maybe slightly bigger, and we slept on, on planks of wood, and uh, we had, it was like you said, summer and winter, cold, we were hungry. My father would go out at night and knock on people's door that he that were friends of his that uh, Gabe would give him like a loaf of bread, maybe a bottle of milk, uh, some potatoes. Uh, he would uh, in the summertime he would collect uh, mushrooms and and apples and and bring them home to us immediately. And and we were all we had blankets, and we were all full of life. We were cold. We were hungry, and we were scared. I mean, we we stayed in that Zimbabwe without going out for oh months, weeks, months at a time. Uh, towards the end of the the war, uh, we we would get out a little more, but. In the beginning, it it was it was very difficult, and 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 I, and I I felt that no one would believe how we survived. Those were conditions that my mother used to tell us uh, stories while my father was out begging, and he'd come home and he'd go to sleep in the morning, and she would tell us. She was educated, so she would be teaching us uh, poems, um, multiplication tables, additions, uh, and in the afternoons when my father would get up, he would read us Bible stories. He would go to where the, the brush was, the light came in from the brush, and he would stand there at the foot of the, the wooden planks, and he would tell us talk about the little Bible stories and elaborate. And we were young children. We were couldn't wait for to 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 hear. That was our, our entertainment, to clean out the, the lice from from our clothes, to shake them out. It was dreadful. And now, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, I was upset when I went to the store recently and they were out of stock of one thing that I was looking for. And uh, you really put life in perspective for me, like how insignificant my little out-of-stock problem at the grocery store was compared to what you went through as a child uh, in that cave. Uh, it's just, you're right. And it, what's unique about this story, at least in my experience, is a, a lot of the Holocaust stories involve concentration camps of some kind, um, some kind of imprisonment that um you know either they people escape from or don't and this this uh ability to uh hide out in the cave as long as you did and survive is, is phenomenal it's uh it's unique at least from what i've learned and heard about i'm sure there were other families that that did the same thing but uh not Lord, not Lord. not that i know go ahead Todd. Yeah may, yeah, may I? Just because, you know, I'm a, as you mentioned in the opening, I'm a teacher, and my students are so surprised to hear that the story of the Holocaust is so much more than camps. I, 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 so I wanted to comment based on what you just said here. The, you know, Linda's story, it, it helps us really see beyond traditional Holocaust narratives. 
you know, that the Nazis came to power and then the ghettos and the camps were built for the systematic slaughter of enemies of yes. the state, namely for Europe's Jews. You know, her story teaches us about how non-Jewish nationals in various countries collaborated with her Nazi occupiers. Her story tells us or gives us a timeline or a progression of the Holocaust. She shows us that there's uh, different means of survival. So you do have the story of camps. You have the story of those like um, her aunts who fled behind Soviet lines, and then you have her family story. I mean, it was a family of five with three young kids who marooned themselves in a forest. Um, yep. You know, the records show about 25,000 um, people escaped into the forest. Very few of them survived the war. Uh, most mm -hmm. of them ended up staying with, as Linda's book tells us, you know, partisans who her father avoided because he felt if he was taken by partisans to fight, he wouldn't return to his, his children. Right. Um, so that's why I think her story is so important. Oh, and then there's yeah. a piece about the after the war, too. You know, we didn't need to know about the DP camps and the debate over Israel or, or going to Israel or the United States. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that. I see we have about 12 minutes to go. So we're already past the halfway point. Oh, Linda, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Thank God you survived. Obviously, um, your your father's faith and, uh, you know, sticking to that even in the worst of times is, is also an amazing story. You know, I'd say God bless him. God rest his soul. And, he, was, uh, he was an amazing person. He, he must have been. I mean, I can see that he was just based on what, I, what I've read and what I know from, from your story. Tell us then about after the war. How'd you end well, up in the United States? And, and can you do I, it in like five minutes? <laughs> I, I'll do my best. Um, uh, when, while we were in the DP camp, uh, we were being prepared to go to Israel. But of course, it was very dangerous to go to Israel at the time because uh, Israel was not a state yet. So my father said, I didn't lose my... I didn't lose, I, I saved my family from Hitler. I don't want to lose them in Cyprus that, because that's the way we had to go. Uh, so he looked, my mother knew she had family in the United States. Uh, the Swatsky family lived with my mother. They were cousins, and they lived together until their father called for them here. So we knew that my mother had a cousin in uh, Binghamton, New York, and his name was David Schwatsky. So uh, the, the, in the DP camp, the American soldiers told my parents to write a postcard to the YMCA and address it to David Schwab. And eventually he got the postcard because there was uh, one person left there because he was no longer living there. And he, he, when he heard that it was Rivka, he says, that's my cousin Rivka. I have to bring her here. Well, P.S., he did do everything in his power, and he brought us here. And uh, I lived in the United States. I was married. I had three children. And lo and behold, my husband passed away when he was in his, he was 50. And this David Schwabsky's son was also married, and 
his wife passed away, and somehow or other, he and I got together, and we were married for 23 years. And I, I always felt that it was my first husband sent him to me. It was just a, a full circle of of of, of life. It was, I, 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 when I talk about myself, I don't believe that I'm talking about me. It's, it, it's, 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 it's hard for me to believe. I, I, I want to just leave you with, with one thought. Uh, when I speak to, to children, I always tell them that they're going to be my ambassadors. Because when I'm gone they will continue the story and they will tell deniers that this Holocaust did happen. I met Mr. Schwab. And, and to me, that, that's probably why I, I, I talk so much about it now. Uh, it's, it's, it's important. Uh, I, I get nervous. I, I, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice just talking about it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. You know, uh, as you were talking about your meeting your second husband and, you know, a thought popped in my head that a quote from Einstein, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. I saw that the, the other day and I thought that's brilliant. And of course, I guess it is brilliant because it's Einstein, right? But uh, it kind of sums up some of the things that happen in life and we, we wonder why they happen or how they happen. It's like, you can't believe that they happen, but uh, they do. And, and who knows why, but that that's wonderful. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm also, you know, a historian and uh, there are certain aspects of history. We, we certainly don't ever want to see repeated. My story is, is, is a little different from most, survivors, and I remember when I went on the March of the Living with uh, my grandchildren, and the first time I spoke about my past, even survivors from, there were other survivors on the trip, they all wanted to come and hear my story, because there aren't many people like me. Uh, I didn't know about the Bielski family that saved all the people until after the war when we were in the DP camp, we heard about the, the story of the movie Defiance uh, yeah. with Daniel Craig. I'm sure that people have heard of that, but uh, we knew about that in the DP camp. And they were the only other people that we heard that survived. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask you, and this might be a hard question to answer, but in your experience, how many people that you knew at that time didn't survive? Like were you? Well, no like, one that I no one that we knew from our settle before the war that survived. We we didn't know any of them. And so do you know we, how they? Do you have any idea how they died? Is there any written uh, history yes, about I do. that? Yeah, that was. That was when, in the very beginning, they took us all into the ghettos. And mm -hmm. we, the, 
that that day, uh, my father came and got us out. Uh, but those people were sent to, a lot of them were killed right there in the, in, in the, in the, uh, right outside of the, uh, the stable, uh, right, yeah. right outside of Meadow. But the rest of us, rest of them were sent to the concentration camps. And so I don't far. know if. I don't know of any any anyone that survived from our schedule. Wow, and Miatl is close to Warsaw. No, actually, Miatl is now close to. Uh, it's in Belarusia. It was okay. Poland when I was born, but it is now Belarusia. It's close to Minsk. It's about ah, an hour okay. away from Minsk. It's about four hours probably from Warsaw because I did want to uh, go there. Uh, just to see where we were, but it was four hours, and I couldn't take it the time away from uh, the March of the Living. We're just about out of time. I I just want to say again, what an amazing story. Um, as the owner of Sunbury Press, as a publisher, I'm grateful in capital letters, exclamation point, for the opportunity to publish your book. Uh, I know it's done fairly well in the marketplace. I know uh, just a great personal exercise on your behalf to do that, to, to get your story out for, and for posterity. And I want you to know that all, my royalty, all the royalties that you send me go to charity. Hmm. That's very... They go to the market of the living. Very kind of you. Todd, in, in the last uh, couple minutes here, is there anything else you're working on that you'd like to talk about, anything you're writing? Oh, uh, sure. I appreciate you asking. Uh, at the moment, I am uh, working with uh, Jane Elliott on her biography. Jane Elliott is an educator, uh, the originator of the broad eye, blue eye exercise, uh, made famous after the assassination of Martin Luther King, and she's been doing that exercise with adults uh, largely over the last 50 years um, so I'm working with her on writing her story um, yeah so that's that but I uh, uh, appreciate you including me on in the conversation Linda having me here today uh, Linda's objective here is to ensure that people know about the Holocaust and you know there are studies that there have been done in the last couple of years that are pretty scary you know Lawrence about showing how much people don't know about the Holocaust people have trouble yeah. naming one camp one ghetto or people knowing the reasons of why the Holocaust happened. Uh, so, you know, Linda's story and, and many others, including those that are printed by Sunbury, uh, are, are valuable pieces of, uh, of historical documents that, that, you know, teachers utilize in their classrooms and, and people, general readers, should take a look at. Yeah, I'm uh, in a doctoral program for history right now. And in the spring, one of my classes will be the Holocaust. So I'm, I can't say I'm looking <laughs> Forward to it. I don't think you can ever look forward to a, <laughs> to that subject, but I, I look forward to a deeper learning and understanding about it. And that you know, Linda's story certainly adds a dimension that, like you said, is out of the mainstream, is not not widely known by most. So, well, I think in right. your class, I think in your class, yeah. real quick, you you teach the Holocaust as a, as a lesson in the fragility of democracy and how yeah. rights can literally come overnight so i think that becomes yeah. a major theme of what mm -hmm. yeah very true well 
Thank you both for being here. It's been a pleasure. Linda, I wish and you all the best. Thank you for Todd, having us. Todd, good luck yeah. with, uh, with your yeah, thank you so much. teaching. Yep. This is the Sunbury Press Book Show. We've been talking to Linda Schwab and Todd Mealy about the memoir, Displaced. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Be sure to check out our books at www.sunburypress.com or search for our titles on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers worldwide. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are hundreds more available on the BookSpeak Network. You can find our channel on blogtalkradio.com. Thank you for listening.